just a quick note, Mel and I traded, so Mel will be preaching next week and myself the following week. So let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you again for the privilege of being here and hearing the story that is always new, is always fresh. Help us to listen again with a fresh mind, a fresh perspective, as Lauren brings what you have in his heart. Guide and direct us and help us to worship together. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. Good morning and greetings to each one of you in Jesus' precious name this morning. Welcome you, each one of you, to our worship service this morning, and I hope that you can be refreshed and renewed in your faith this morning. For a message today, my mind was drawn to a few um, verses in the book of Matthew. I'll be looking at verses 28 and 29 of Matthew chapter 11 today, will be the... um, my main text is, as well as some other scriptures. And as the, the title of the message um, shows today, I want to be focusing on resting in the Lord today and, and how we can do that. And as I was thinking about that, the question that comes to mind is, why do we lack rest? You know, as we read this scripture here, um, we see Jesus calling us to rest. And I'll read that passage at this time. Actually, I'll read verse 32. Matthew 11, 28 to 30. It says, Come unto me, all ye that that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Like I said, the question that comes to mind is, why do we lack rest? Jesus obviously sees a problem here, and he's offering a solution. And as we face problems in life, the first thing we need to do is to acknowledge that we have a problem. And we can't find a solution to a problem that we don't admit that we have in the first place. We need to get a good picture of what we're dealing with as we face problems. So to give us a perspective on um, why we are in the, you know, the situation we are here with Jesus, I want to turn back to the book of Genesis, and I'll be reading Genesis chapter 3 to give us a perspective of why we struggle with resting today and what Jesus was, was looking to give us rest from. Obviously, Genesis is talking about Adam and Eve and... After God had created the beautiful garden, we break in at chapter 3 here, verse 1. It says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not have every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day that you eat thereof, your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eye, and a tree to be to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves apron. 
And they heard the voice they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree, wherever I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest me, whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me to eat of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is it that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, Thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust thou shalt eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. And it shall bruise thy head, and, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow, and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband. And he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and sorrow thou shalt eat of it all the days of thy life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face thou shalt eat bread till thou till thy return unto the ground, for out of it thou wast taken. For thus thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Unto Adam and also his, unto Adam and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and clothe them. I'll stop there. So we see here the beautiful God, creation that God had made. Adam and Eve were a part of this, and as they were a part of this garden, there was. No stress, no, no evil, no guile, but peace and tranquility as they lived in communion with God. And, you know, some, sometimes we can think to ourselves, you know, if I only lived in a perfect world, things would be so good. But here we see they did live in a perfect world, and we see the result. Um, they chose to go against God even in a perfect world. They could eat of all the things in the garden except this one tree, and yet they chose to eat of that tree. And we can notice that the devil came to them the same way he does to us today. You know, is it really that bad? What is wrong with this? You know, God really doesn't want you to enjoy this because he's just trying to keep good things from you. You know, we face that so many times in our own lives today. So they ate of the tree, and, you know, very suddenly they realized what God was talking about. Suddenly that communion with God was gone. They didn't have rest in their souls anymore. They hid from God, and they felt guilty and afraid. They hid, they ran and hid from God, and they did not want to commune with him anymore. There was no longer peace. There was no longer rest. And, you know, I think we have a really hard time wrapping our minds around what it must have been like for Adam to have that communion cut off. And he had such a close relationship with God. They worked together on starting out Starting together on this world, you know, Adam named all the animals for God, and they had a great relationship, and they communed together, and suddenly this relationship was severed, and it must have been a very, very difficult thing for him to live with the rest of his life. 
And so we can see how Adam lost the peace and rest in his life. We see that their sons, you know, there was enmity between their sons. And just think about how their lives changed very quickly um, from this tranquil garden to Adam. Now he had hard physical labor, labor. He had sweat and exertion. God drove him out of this beautiful garden, and now he had to um, produce food by the sweat of his brow. He didn't have the technology that a modern farmer did. He couldn't jump in his John Deere tractor and go spray the weeds or go cultivate them. He had to get out there and hoe them. Eve didn't have the conveniences to go to that a modern um, lady does today. <clears throat> a nice house stocked with a well-stocked kitchen you know, and professional care as her children were born. So this was how mankind lost the peace and rest in in their lives and as we move through history through scripture we see um, again and again the conflict and turmoil that has followed ever since we look at um, Abraham and their life his life and David and as we move through Old Testament history we see Israel struggle to reconcile with God so as we come come back to um, the book of Matthew and, and come to the context here of Jesus giving his invitation. And so I want to look at his invitation a little bit. He uses the word come. He's beckoning us to come to him. Jesus is giving us an open invitation. We are asked to join him. And as we accept an invitation, that means we're leaving something else behind. For instance, Alicia and I, we accepted the invitation to Brandon's wedding in Iowa, so Lord willing, we'll be traveling out there in a few weeks. But on the same weekend, there's a family reunion, and so we had to leave something else behind to partake of one event. We can't be two places at the same time. And so as we accept one invitation, that means we say no to another so as we come to Jesus, that means that we are leaving something behind. And many times for each one of us, there are different things that we need to leave behind. You know, there are some universal things that all of us must leave behind, but as we come to Christ, there are things that he wants us to give to him. As we are, allow the Lord to work in our lives and are in tune with his word and in, in scripture, he'll speak to us. And as we choose to trust him and give those things to him, he can give us rest. Jesus um, expounds on that in Matthew 6, 24 to 26. And the Amplified puts it very well. It says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will, be, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, money, possessions, fame, status, or whatever is valued more than the Lord. Therefore, I tell you, stop being worried or anxious, perpetually uneasy, distracted about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body as to what you will wear. Is life not more than food and body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap the harvest nor gather the crops into the barns, and yet your Father keeps feeding them. Are you not worthy much more than they? So here this these scriptures give us a clue as to why we lack restfulness in our lives. We are 
worrying and anxious about the things that God has already promised to provide for us. Our anxiety often stems more from discontentment than necessity. So Jesus stands here after all these years of turmoil, labor, and conflict, and he offers peace and rest. God sent Jesus to restore the broken relationship with mankind these many, many years later. Secondly, I want to look at um, another word here in, chat, in, in verse 28, and that's the word all. Who is given this invitation? And we see the answer to that is Jesus invites all to come. You know, that is the beauty of God's kingdom. Jesus invites and welcomes all to come to his kingdom. And that's vastly different than the kingdoms of this world that we are so familiar with. You know, for many years, um, the world was moving more and more toward globalism, but now we see it moving back toward nationalism, where countries become more tribal again. They guard their own interests and look at others with suspicion. But the kingdom of heaven is not like this. Jesus stands with open arms, inviting you to come, regardless of your nationality, tribe, or gender he invites you all to come as we come to him in brokenness he can bring us healing and restoration i like the verses in galatians 3 verses 26 to 29 where paul is is speaking to the galatians he says so in christ jesus you are all children of god through faith for all of you were baptized into christ have clothed yourself with christ there is neither jew nor gentile neither slave nor free Nor is there male or female, for you are all in Christ. If you belong to Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Paul's explaining here to the Galatians that it's faith that brings us into the kingdom of God. For many years, the the Jews were set apart as God's people, but now Jesus has given his life so that all could come to the kingdom of God. And I like how it says, in verse 26, it says, All... There's the word all children of God. We're all children of God, and it's by faith, as we see at the end of the verse. And also in verse 27, it talks about being clothed with Christ. So we're all the same as we're clothed with Christ. We lose our personal identity. You know, the Jews had this division from the Gentiles cemented in their mind after hundreds of years of practicing this way. But now this division was abolished. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross had abolished this. He was the sinless sacrifice, as 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, and he had taken on himself the curse of sin that was placed on mankind back in the garden. It reads, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made righteous of God in him. And now as his people, as his servants, we are called to share that message with the world. Matthew twenty-eight sixteen to 20 reads, Then the eleven disciples went into Galilee to the mount which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded. And lo, I am with you with you always, even to the end of the age. You know, Jesus is now the king of heaven and earth. God sent him to earth to defeat Satan and bring rest to his people. And this is a wonderful message that we are called to spread to those around us. 
The kingdom of heaven has been established, and we can all be a part of that now. You know, as we focus on that message and sharing it instead of worrying and being anxious about the temporary things that Matthew 6 talks about, we can find rest in Christ. <clears throat> so moving on, I want to look at a few things that Jesus talks about that we can, can be relieved of here in, in verse 28. And if we think about the context of who he was talking to here, he says, All ye that labor and are heavy laden... And one of the, the labors I think he was referring to here, he was talking to the Jews who had been weighed down by a very burdensome culture. God had given laws to Moses, which he had intended for his people to live by. But over the years, many, many things got added to this, and the leaders of their day had burdened them with many things that were very difficult to do. And... Jesus was coming to relieve them of that burden. Jesus, the Messiah, who God had promised many years ago, was finally here. At a time when God saw that it was fitting and right, he sent Jesus to bring about a better covenant. So he was bringing them rest from the labors of the, the law. He's also bringing us rest from our focus on earthly pursuits. As we saw earlier in Matthew 6, Jesus challenges us to not be anxious and worry about our material needs. And he calls that a trait of the Gentiles, the unbeliever. But the primary focus of, God, of God's children is his kingdom. As we saw, their duty is to spread the message of Jesus to the world. We can also bring our um, labors and our burdens to Jesus as it talks about in 1 Peter 5, 7, Peter challenges us to cast all our cares upon God, for he cares for us. And so often the reason we have a lack of rest is our failure to surrender to, to God and failure to give those things over to God, our lack of communication with our Father, the lack of prayer. And also, he delivers us from our heavy burden of sin. That's one that we all have dealt with. In Romans 3.23, Paul talks about that. He says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And Jesus is beckoning us to come to him so that he can release us from that burden. And he promises us rest. I want to look at the promises that go along in this passage. He says, I will give you rest at the end of Verse 28, Jesus promises us rest as we come to him and give him our burdens. God's plan for this was through Jesus Christ. And we also saw that in Hebrews 4 as we were studying that in our Sunday school lesson a, a number of weeks ago. <coughs> you know, rest does not come as we try to be good enough on our own or through our own good works, but it is as we come and surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ that we can find peace and rest. So uh, many times through Scripture we see God promising this Messiah in Jesus that was going to be delivered to free mankind from the bondage of sin, and Jesus was now the fulfillment of that prophecy. And as we find spiritual rest, we will also experience physical rest. You know, as we think about the effects of uh, 
spiritual stress and in inward struggle on our physical lives, it can have a very detrimental effect on us. And so we can face or we can enjoy both spiritual and physical rest as we surrender to the Lord. But then he goes on and he says, take my yoke upon you. And he says this is how we're supposed to find rest. And as I think about a yoke, I think about work. We think about um, a team of animals, a team of oxen or horses being put under the yoke. So how is it that we find rest when we take upon us the yoke of Christ? You know, as we find rest, I don't think that Jesus is referring to a rest of sitting down and, and not working again. But we are to be engaged with Christ and in tune with his spirit and follow where he leads. That's how we find rest. You know, as we come <coughs> excuse me. As we come into the yoke, there's a surrendering and a humbling of our hearts that needs to take place. As we hang on to our desire for control and our pride will not accomplish the work of the Lord. As I think about this, I was thinking about you know, a team of, of horses. And one draft horse on its own can normally pull around 8,000 pounds. So it would seem logical that two would pull 16,000, right? So is that what we, they taught you in math? One plus one equals two. So eight plus 8,000 would equal 16. But as these to come together in a team, they can actually pull 24,000 pounds. And if they're trained together, they can possibly hit 32,000 pounds. So we see here as we come together in a, in a yoke with Christ, there is a powerful lesson here for us. You know, we can accomplish so much more as we yield our lives to the yoke of Christ. And this reminds me of a verse in Ephesians 3 where Paul says that Christ can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think as we allow him to work in us. And so often our, um, our goals and visions are, are bound by our human mind, but as we yield to Christ and allow him to work in us, he can do so much more through us. Another aspect of coming to Christ and finding rest is that we allow Christ to be our teacher. Christ is the greatest example of how to live in this world. He says, take my, yoke upon, take, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Jesus came to this earth. He lived this, on this earth to show us an example of how to live. And so now he wants to teach us how to live. He wants to teach us a life of peace and rest. This goes, along, goes hand in hand with having an attitude of humility. An attitude of arrogance is not a teachable spirit. Jesus says, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. And he wants to teach us the same thing. Philippians 2, 4 through 8 in the New Living Translation describes the heart of Christ so well. And Paul instructs us to follow that example of Christ. He says, don't look out for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ had, that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, and he was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross.
I want to um, read you a quote from C.S. Lewis. It says, The more we let God take over, the more we truly, the more truly ourselves we become. Because he made us, he invented us, he invented all the different people that you and I were intended to be. It is when I turn to Christ, when I give up myself to his personality, that I first begin to have a real personality of my own. So let's yield our lives to the greatest teacher that ever walked the face of the earth and the teacher that understands each one of us perfectly. So in closing today, I want us to remember and consider what Jesus is calling us to today. You know, the invitation that he gave to those people thousands of years ago still stands for each one of us. You know, for those who have never taken on the yoke of Christ, who have not surrendered their hearts, heart to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, he can give you rest from your restlessness in your soul. You know, even after we give our heart to Christ and have believed on him in faith, we still live in a world within our, within our own human bodies. And there's many ways that we can often lack peace and rest. You know, we still live with our humanity on a daily basis, and anxiety and stress and the cares of this world can pull our focus away from Christ. You know, as we take our eyes away from Christ, we become like Peter and start to sink into the stormy sea. <coughs> and just in closing, I want to share with you two stories uh, from my life that were a powerful example of Christ's rest in my life. And these are by no means an example of how my life is all the time. But I just want to encourage you that Jesus is real. Christ's rest is real if we are willing to allow him and surrender to him and take, take over. The first one is, and both of these are, come from 2020, um, and I'm sure you're well aware of the disruptions that happened that year because of COVID. And with our creamery business relying primarily on tourism... And the wholesale customers that we have beyond that also rely on tourism. Um, We had quite a dramatic uh, drop in sales. And you started to question pretty quickly what was going to happen. And on the farm, we didn't feel the sting as quickly. You know, they always tell you people need to eat, but people can eat in different ways than they they do at times. And our co-op sold to the processing plant in Penyan Canpac, and they sell primarily to food service industry who sells to people like Tim Hortons and, and places like that, and obviously their business was affected. So, you know, within, like some, I'm sure others of you have experienced, within a month or two you go from smooth sailing to wondering how you're going to survive, and if you're, you know, I was staring, maybe having to fold up shop for the first time in my life, and definitely caused a lot of anxiety. And I clearly remember one Sunday morning, I was finishing up milking and, and wondering how we're going to survive this. And I finally just told God, look, if you want us to survive, like get through this, I, I'm going to let it in your hands. You promised you'll take care of us. And within a few minutes, there was a double rainbow over our farm. And that was it's just amazing that God... He, he was there. I mean, it was so real, and he carried us through. And it just impressed upon my heart the goodness of God as we surrendered to him, and we're still surviving today. 
and some of our um, best things have come out of that. And I'm not saying COVID is a great thing, but some of the things that we were forced to do have helped us grow. So God was good through that. And then the second, second story was a few months later um, when we had ordination here at church. And leading, leading up to it, I wasn't stressed out about it at all. We were new here at church, and, and so I wasn't, I wasn't thinking that we would be involved in any way, except for someone made the comment to us one time about God's plan for us here at Crystal Valley, which gave me a little bit of pause. But for the most part, I wasn't too worried about it. But being a middle-aged guy, you know, in church, you you always have those, you know, thoughts of what if it was me. And so in a, in a conversation one time, I made the comment to Alicia, you know, if, if it would end up that we would get in the lot, I would just feel like sitting down and crying. <laughs> I would feel so overwhelmed because of, you know, the story I just told you. And, and we had made a, I had just made a, you know, a transition from the creamer to the farm and, and all that entailed and... We had just had a lot of change in our life, and with school at that time, some changes in the school board, um, it just felt like a lot of things on my plate at that time. And so that's kind of how I was feeling, like, I would just feel like sitting down and crying. And as you can see, <laughs> what happened, um, I'm up here today, and I'll never forget, um, you know, I, I went from feeling like I would feel so overwhelmed that, uh, that I couldn't go on to that night, even before the ordination took place, I felt a peace and a rest that I had experienced in years. And so I share these stories with you. Like, I know my personality well enough to know that that wasn't me. That wasn't my own doings. That wasn't under my own power. And I just share those stories with you to, to encourage you that God is very real he will carry you through if you allow him to. And so my prayer is that each one of you here today could experience that rest in Christ. And that didn't mean that everything from there forward was smooth sailing. There are difficult times. Um, but we need, for my, in my life anyway, it's through those difficult times when God becomes very real. Um, as much as I wish that that I could learn those lessons on the smooth sailing sunny days. It seems for me it doesn't work that way. So I have learned, or I've been trying to learn over the last few years to accept the difficult things in life and to learn from those because it's then that I can find the true power of God um, in life. And so, like I said, I just encourage you to reach out to Christ as you experience um, difficult times to reach out to him for rest and peace in your life this time let's bow our heads for a word of prayer dear loving father in heaven i just thank you that even though we lived in the midst of a broken world where sin entered in and satan tries to tear down and destroy that you are the source of peace the source of rest and that even though there may be times when our world seems to be in turmoil and fast-paced that we can come to you we can look to you for peace and joy in the midst of all this. And I just pray that as we experience that, that we would not keep that to ourselves, but that we would let it, uh, would let it flow through our lives and that others too could see your goodness and your gracious work in our lives and that who could come to you and uh, surrender their hearts to you. I just pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Ken, do you have a song? Yeah, let's 